0: And we'll be reading from 1 Peter, chapter four, verses one to eleven. I'm going to uh, pray for us first. In 2 Timothy three, we read that all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so we pray, Lord, that you would teach us and rebuke us and correct us and train us in righteousness. Make us true servants of yours, thoroughly equipped. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Good morning. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They think it strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation, and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached, even to those, who are new, to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to men in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled, so that you can pray. Above all, Love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully, administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen.
2: A few years ago, I met this guy who was a very successful businessman. And as it turns out, I'd actually stayed in his house, strangely, a couple of years before I met him. This this house was amazing. Its backyard was literally a beach on the northern uh, suburbs of Sydney, and it was several stories and just mind-blowing. A friend of mine had been house-sitting there for a few months, that's how I got to stay there, and I went to visit him and, and stayed for a couple of nights. And it was a couple of years after this that I actually met the guy who owned the house, Tim, and I got to hear some of his story. He'd become a Christian as an adult, and like I said before, it was when he was extremely successful as a businessman. And Tim tells this story about when he'd just become a Christian, that John Anderson was visiting him in his office, and John said to him, we should pray. And so they got down on their knees there at his desk and prayed. And because Tim was a new Christian, he thought that's just what you do, and so that's what he did from then on in. Apparently, his company used to do consulting work for other big companies. They'd analyse data and and they'd they'd tell these companies what they needed to change in order to uh, improve business. But Tim's company got so sick of them not taking on board the advice that instead of consulting, they started just buying these companies, making the changes and then selling them for a profit. I'm not very business-minded and my mind just boggles at what must be involved in that kind of strategic analytical work. The reason I met Tim was because after he'd be, become a Christian, soon after that, very quickly his mind turned to how he could use his gifts to serve God. And as an expert systematic analyzer, he started using his resources to analyse how churches might be able to reach more people more effectively. Having become a Christian He wanted to serve. And he had, in his reach, resources which many of us can't even comprehend. Let me tell you about another bloke, a guy called Will. Now, economically speaking at least, Will was on the complete opposite end. When I met him, he was a poor university student. He'd come to uni and he was studying ag business. And for the first six months of his degree, he'd spent the entire time getting wasted almost every day. In fact, he was the Wagga Agricultural College Rugby Union Club mascot many weeks, Captain Whack, as they called him, which involved dressing in a uniform, getting wasted and wandering up and down the sideline of the game, yelling at the players with a can of beer gaff taped to his hand. Now, after six months of this, he'd pretty much hit a wall And he stumbled into university church one Sunday night where, after a while, he became a Christian. Now when I met him, he was still a young Christian. But he was there stacking chairs, operating the barbecue. And I still remember one night hearing him him in a pub giving his testimony about how he'd come to know Jesus. He was a larrikin, but he was using his story to, to serve. Now, on the one hand, Tim and Will, they've got very different stories. But what they both had in common was this. Pretty quickly, after they came to be followers of Jesus, the natural step for them was that they wanted to serve him. Loving Jesus and serving Jesus, they always go hand in hand. Today, as Brian said, we come to the end of our five-week series outlining the five things that God wants us to be on about while we wait for Jesus to return. And this is the last one. God wants us to be on about ministry. The word ministry just means service. One of the things that God wants us to be on about is serving him as we serve others. And today we're going to focus in on just a few verses in in 1 Peter 4 to see this. We're actually going to focus on just a few verses, even less than what was read out. Let me give you a bit of a context for these verses. Peter writes in verse 7: The end of all things is near. Peter is writing to Christians who are suffering, facing suffering. And throughout the letter, Peter, he lifts their eyes to, to see where everything's going. He focuses them on the goal. Now, we might wonder how Peter can say that the end is near, since we're reading this nearly 2,000 years later. But Peter's talking about the end being near, not so much in terms of time, but in terms of significance. See, the bigger the goal is, the more it looms over everything. When Kathy and I were in New Zealand driving. Mount Cook was near for the entire day of driving as we drove closer and closer. The whole time it felt near and it was. It loomed over everything and it shaped everything we did that day which was pulling over every five minutes and taking another picture. The goal that Peter describes is enormous. The goal is Jesus returning and bringing our salvation, our inheritance getting rid of evil in this world forever and living with us and peter's point here in chapter four is that this end this goal it impacts everything look at verse seven the end of all things is near therefore be alert and of sober mind sober mind so that you may pray He's saying here that the end shapes maturity, which we saw last week. Right thinking leads to right living while we depend on God. And then we see the next impact in verses 8 and 9. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. He's saying here that the end shapes membership. That's what that's all about. We're to love God's people forgiving and sharing life together but today we're focusing on the third impact of the end which we see in verse 10 here he says each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various form here he's saying that the end shapes ministry And here in 1 Peter 4, we see four things that we should know when it comes to using our gifts for ministry. We should know our gifts are from God. We should know our gifts are for others. We should know our gifts are powered by God. And we should know our gifts are for God's glory. From God, for others, powered by God, for His glory. Let's start with the first one. Our gifts are from God. Look again with me at verse 10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received. Now, there are two mistakes that this verse corrects. First, this verse corrects us from trying to take the credit for our own giftedness. Every good thing that we have in life, every ability, every good circumstance we find ourselves in, it's received, received from the hand of God. My wife, Kathy, once overheard um, a parent say to their partner that they were annoyed because someone had told their, their child that they'd been made by God. And this parent said, God didn't make them, I did. And to make it worse, it was a dad speaking. That's an extreme form of taking credit for something that's a gift, clearly a gift from God. But of course, we can do it in more subtle ways than that. I could think my wealth is from my hard work and my smart decisions. And that might be true. But did we make the decision to be born in this wealthy country? Did we make the decision to go to school? And There are a thousand other factors at play far beyond the reach of any of us. What we have, we have as a gift from God. Or I could think that my ability... To play piano is because I've got a natural ability and, more importantly, because my mum made me practice every day. But again, are these factors really outside the control of God? Every gift we have, whatever it is, we've received it as a gift from God. And if we don't see that, it doesn't change the truth. It just means we're ungrateful. And by the way, yes, God is offended by that. And so he should be. He's offended by our lack of gratitude. And if you've never said sorry to him about that and acknowledged him as the giver of every good gift, why haven't you? This is the first mistake that this verse corrects. We shouldn't give ourselves credit for something that's simply been given to us. The second mistake this verse corrects, though, is the idea that maybe we don't have any gifts. Sometimes we can look at ourselves and we can think, it feels like God's given me the gift of not having any gifts. You know, there are all sorts of reasons that we might think like this. Sometimes for some people it's because they've got an extremely low self-esteem. But it could be because we've got a mistaken idea about what God's gifts actually are. It could be that we've got too narrow a set in mind so that we don't recognise his gifts. Even though God actually gives a diverse range of gifts. Look at what verse 10 goes on to say. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms, in its manifold, diverse forms. God's gifts are diverse and none of his followers have missed out on them, he says. I think the problem is that we, we often think gifts need to be spectacular. Whereas you read some of the, the different lists of gifts in the New Testament, and they can be quite ordinary. Like in Romans 12 verse 8, you come across the gift of encouragement. Or in 1 Corinthians 12 28, you, you find the gift of administration. Not all gifts sound spectacular. But I reckon we think that they should be spectacular. Because I reckon we easily end up thinking that our gifts are really about us. We secretly think that they're about ourselves. And this takes us straight to our second point. Our gifts are for others. Look at verse 10 again. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. We've all been gifted with all sorts of different gifts, but they all have a common purpose. They've been given to us so that we can serve others. We're to be faithful stewards of our gifts. And our job as stewards is to use our gifts to serve God's people, to help them live for God as they wait for Jesus. Imagine you're at a cafe with a friend who's a doctor and someone on the table next to you falls down on the table, obviously needing medical help. And after a a few seconds, you say to your friend, aren't you going to help? And they say, no, I'm not at work. Now, I'd be pretty disappointed if I had a friend who did that. But if they did that at work, when they're on duty in the ED, then I'd be scandalized. Here's the thing. We're on duty. That's what it means to be stewards. We're on duty. God has given us all sorts of gifts, and he's given them to us for a purpose. And it would be scandalous if we belonged to God, but we weren't interested in being stewards of the gifts that he's given us. So let's sort of stop for a second and ask ourselves, are you using the gifts that God has given you? And are you using them for the purpose that he wants you to use them for, to serve others? Now, we're incredibly gifted here, and I don't just mean because we're special or spectacular. I mean God has gifted us with with so many so many different things so many of us have got a great education so many of us have got a house and a job with family with money with time so many of us actually have got great health and individually of course we're gifted as well some of you are very comfortable speaking in front of people some are great administrators some are great with kids we could go on and on for a long, long time. But none of it means anything if we're not using our gifts for the purpose that God's given them to us, to serve others. I once knew a really great piano player who wouldn't use his gift to serve his church by playing in the band. Now, because there could be all sorts of good reasons why someone shouldn't do that. But I found out his reason from him. And basically it was he thought the other musicians would bring him down and make him look bad as a musician. He was only willing to serve if he came through looking good. (laughs) He missed the point of his gift. I've known other musicians who really, really wanted to use their gift to play music up front at church, but they weren't actually needed. And because of that, they were deeply offended. In fact, it's almost like in their minds, it was their right to use their gift. But they missed the point too. Gifts are not about us. They're about others. And so, using my gift, if if using my gift doesn't actually serve others, then I won't use it. If you're a musician here and, and, and you were asked to step down from playing, maybe to make space for someone who could serve the congregation better how would you react now i imagine that's going to be a challenge and maybe you're not a musician and you're thinking oh come on we should just let people play the more the merrier let whoever wants to play play whoever wants to read the bible up front read the bible whoever wants to pray pray whoever wants to preach preach But if we're thinking like that, we're missing the point entirely. Our gifts, they're not about us. They're about others. Let me give you a really silly example. Just indulge me for a little bit. If I have the gift of tap dancing, I'm not going to demonstrate it right now, but just because I have the gift and I have the shoes, that doesn't mean that I should get up front and, and tap dance for our services. As far as I can tell, I don't think that would serve anyone. But neither does that mean that there's no place for my gift. I could take part in a holiday program for kids and offer tap dancing classes. And I could serve God and His people that way. I mean, I could. I don't know how many people would be interested, but there'd probably be some. Now, if I'm only on about using my gift for myself, I'd be thinking at this point, there's no way i'm going to do that that doesn't honor my gift but if i'm on about serving if that's my motivation i'll gladly teach those kids even as i watch them butcher the noble art of tap dancing now obviously i'm being silly and i'm desperately hoping that there are no tap dancers here today but you get my point don't you the principle stays the same Our gifts, they're not given for our self-fulfillment. They're not given for our sense of self-worth. They're not for our recognition. They're given to us so that we can serve others. And you know what? If we really get this, then chances are that we'll find ourselves in situations where we don't actually feel nearly gifted enough. Because if we get the purpose, if we get that the purpose is to serve others, then we'll see a gap that no one else is filling And we'll step in and do the job because we know it's not about our gift. It's about the purpose. It's about the goal of our gift. Our focus is on serving others. And we want the gifts so that we can serve others better. And this brings us to our next point. Whether we feel very gifted or hardly gifted at all, we don't use our gifts in our strength. We're called to use them in God's strength. Because our gifts are powered by God. Look with me at verse 11. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. See that? Our gifts are powered by what God provides. So... If we find ourselves serving others by speaking, like I am now, like our community group leaders do, like our jam leaders do, or like our service leaders, or like anyone who wants to encourage another person one-to-one with what they say, it's the same. For us, we use our gift in a way that actually serves others when we speak as one who speaks the very words of God. Now, this doesn't mean that we only speak quoting chapter and verse at people. But what it does mean is that we should only speak what's consistent with God's word. And on top of that, we should speak being very clear in our minds what it actually is that will help people. Now, jokes about tap dancing and stories about people that I've met in the past like Tim and Will... I need to be very clear in my mind that they aren't going to serve you unless they lead you to what will actually serve you, what will actually strengthen you and feed you, which is God's Word alone. Now my goal, it can never be to improve on God's Word and to make it more interesting and and relevant and engaging. My job is to show that God's Word is already all of those things and so much more. And if your job is to speak God's word into people's lives, if that's your gifting, then your job is exactly the same. If they come away from community group remembering what God has said, or if they come away from a conversation with you remembering the promises of God, then you've served them using your gift in God's power. It's the same with what Peter goes on to say next. If anyone serves they should do so with the strength God provides. How do we do this, though? How do we rely on the strength that God provides? We could, I reckon, preach a whole sermon series on that topic, but let me just say a couple of things briefly today. Depending on God's strength, whether for maturity or whether for ministry, it happens in the way that we respond to God's Word. God is the speaking God. He always has been, and he always will be. He spoke this world into existence. He spoke his covenant people into existence on Mount Sinai. They didn't see a form. They heard God. He speaks out Scripture by the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself is called the Word of God incarnate. And the Holy Spirit continues to speak God's word into our lives in Scripture. To serve in the strength that God provides is to serve with the promises of God known in our hearts, known in our minds, felt in our hearts, and put into practice in faith. Now, we might prefer a kind of a more mystical strengthening, a a kind of zap from on high, and God might give us that but he doesn't promise to. What he does promise is that he will strengthen us and feed us by his word. Even human words have the potential to do this, actually, to strengthen and and, and empower us. Just recently, Kathy and I hit a, a bit of a, a rough spot with the family, with the kids. Things were getting a bit tense and messy, especially in the morning routine to get everyone out the door it was becoming a bit of a an ordeal and and even the way that we were talking to each other wasn't great so Kathy and I sat down and we talked about it and we realized that we needed to hit reset and that conversation those words was powerful in doing exactly that as we spoke we we figured out in our heads what we needed to do And we persuaded each other to to change our hearts, to be more patient and compassionate. And we put all sorts of things into practice a a timetable for the mornings, a family meeting once a week, and then we brainstormed as a family what we care about. And it's made a huge difference, not just for the mornings, but for our heart attitudes. And it started with words. Words can strengthen and empower real change and real action that's just human words how much more powerful are words that are breathed out by god by the holy spirit serving in god's strength means depending on him and dependence on him looks like taking him at his word that's what it means to serve in his strength To let his words dwell in our minds and our hearts, and to live our actions as a step of faith. Let me give you just one example of how this could work, this might work out in practice. One example. Last week I got a cold, and for a couple of days there, things looked pretty bad. I was well and truly in the territory of man flu. I was lying on the lounge, but Matilda nursed me back to health with butter menthols and hot water bottles. Now, it's gone now, but imagine if it wasn't. Imagine if I woke up this morning with a really bad flu, so that I felt like I couldn't get out of bed. What does serving in God's strength look like for me then? Does it look like me saying, I've got to do this for Jesus I'm going to pray for miraculous energy and just in case that doesn't work, I'll hit myself up with some caffeine, some pseudoephedrine, a whole packet of butter menthols and then watch out world and the immunocompromised because here I come and God better hurry up and provide the strength I need. Now, maybe that's what it means or maybe that's actually serving in the strength of caffeine, adrenaline and pride. Whereas serving in God's strength could well mean praying Sending Scott a text message, my sermon notes, and then going back to sleep. Why? Because serving in God's strength means holding close to the Word of God, which tells me in countless places that I'm just a limited creature, with all the limitations of of being a creature. Whereas God is God, unlimited. Unlimited. And while I want to be here at church and I want to serve and I want to preach, when my physical strength is gone, serving in God's strength means trusting that God's got it covered. It means knowing that this is His church and it's not going to implode just because I'm not here to preach. Serving in God's strength means trusting His sovereignty, which is written on every single page of Scripture. And it matters that we serve in God's strength. Because our gifts are given for God's glory. This is our last point. Our gifts, they're given to us for God's glory. And do you notice with this final point, we've come full circle right back to the beginning, back to magnification. Look at verse 11 again. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ to Him be the glory and the power for ever and ever. Amen. We get to glorify God, our ministry using the gifts that god's given us, done for others, done in His strength, that brings him glory so eight a m on a Sunday morning, I could set up chairs if I was on the roster out of a sense of duty, because I froze like a rabbit in the headlights when Jane Dewing approached me about getting on the roster. Or I could do it because God's given me the gift of a back that's actually pretty okay, good enough to put out some chairs. I could do it because I want to see church happen. I'm thinking of the 200 people who'll be sitting down and even though they probably won't give any thought to me, I'm okay with that because I'm not doing it for recognition. I'm doing it to serve them. And I could do it in my strength or I could do it in God's strength, which doesn't mean that I'll unstuck five chairs at a time instead of the two that I, I can actually manage. It means when I hear that, that voice in my head that says, what's the point of this? The chairs go out, the chairs go back or when I'm tempted to make Sunday all about the efficiency of set up and pack up as if that's what it was all about, doing it in God's strength at that point will mean that I'll hear God's words in my ears even louder. I'll remember that this matters to God. Church matters to Him. He loves people gathering in His name. And my heart will be strengthened to love what He loves, and I'll find myself putting out those chairs, not complaining, but smiling. And finally, and most importantly, I'll do it for God's glory. I mean, think about that. Unstacking chairs can bring glory to God. And yes, it does bring glory to God. These chairs, they don't just give us a place to sit. They enable church to happen where we sing God's praises, where God's greatness is proclaimed in every song and in prayer and where God himself speaks as we hear Scripture read. Now this is just one example, one example of how we can use a gift from God for others in his strength, for his glory. If we had time, we could talk about being on the morning tea roster, or being a jam helper, or a musician, or an usher. Or we could talk about how we don't even have to be on a roster at all to serve God. But I want to finish today by doing something else. I'm going to call Noel up. I want to finish by introducing you a bit more to Noel, who's actually volunteered to serve us in this area of ministry as our ministry pastor, um, because we actually want you to be able to think through what's the next step for you in this, this area, in ministry. So Noel, just as we start, can you tell us a bit about how you've ended up taking on this this volunteer role of being ministry pastor.
0: Sure, you asked me, and I said yes. <laughs> it's a bit more to it.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: um, for those of you who don't know, uh, before it, we, my wife and I, Bethany and I started coming here in February last year. Um, but before that, I was actually a, a pastor in the Lutheran Church for about 21 years, and I was serving up at Vista at Good Shepherd Lutheran. I made the hard decision to step down because of health reasons around chronic fatigue. So I finished up the end of 2016 and last year was sort of a year to work out what was um, work-induced fatigue and what was health-induced. Mm. Um, unfortunately, most of it's health and so I still wrestle with that. But I started praying to God and saying, God, you still got some purpose for me with the energy I do have. What can that be? And I started that about the end of last year going into the beginning of this year and he didn't answer it for a while but then you did ask me and um, you presented this opportunity and it just seemed to be an answer to God's prayer so that's how I ended up here. Yeah, Yeah,
2: Noel was such an encouragement to me because he was someone in some ways who illustrates what we're talking about today had clear gifts and wanted to use them and um, um, about a week before I approached Noel... I just had this feeling that um we really should uh use Noel here at TNE and when I spoke to Noel he was he had the same kind of uh wrestle with God that he was wrestling through and so Noel's a real answer to my prayers and the prayers of others as well.
0: I'm still trying to work out what it means to do it in God's strength because you nearly got a phone call this morning but <laughs> okay after copying medication I'm here. <laughs> <laughs>
2: there you go. Um no, what is it that you want to see for T and E in this ministry purpose area? You know, what are your kind of hearts, your hearts, hopes, and, and dreams for us when it comes to ministry at T and E?
0: Yeah, yeah. I want. I think it's going to begin with um, that we know God, we know His love, we've received Jesus as our leader, our rescuer, our Lord and Saviour, our churchy words we use, and then growing out of that is a sense of purpose that hey, God's invited us in to continue His. Jesus' work whatever terms you want to use it may be telling people the kingdom's here and you can get in through Jesus but that sense of purpose and I think that's what took over the people in your examples that and there's nothing we can do in this world that makes a contribution eternally as much as serving something in the local church that reaches people with the good news whatever else we give our time to is very temporal and that's what I found last year that what I can occupy myself, but it was very temporal. So I want people to grab that. But then part of the role then is, is to help people discover their gifts, whatever they are, and then work out where they fit in the life of this church and out in the world as well. So mm. marrying those two together. And, and my prayer is that they joyfully use them. Mm. And I think flowing out of that then is we will see maturity in us. We will grow more like Jesus as we serve. And that'll be exciting to see. Mm. The, one of the reasons I talk about using gifts is that the body will build up. T&E will become a, a stronger community. Mm. And then I think most importantly, more and more people get reached with the good news as we're using our gifts to serve. So mm. I'm hoping to see that. And you've got a big vision of planting a church. So um, mobilising and activating our gifts for God's service, I think, is really uh, priority if we want to see that mm. vision um, realised. So that's sort of my hopes, hopes for the role. Yeah. Mm.
2: If it's all right, I wouldn't mind just running a couple of sort of more particular scenarios past you. So in your role, and um, what advice would you have, if someone's just joined us in the last sort of couple of months, um, what sort of advice would you have for them as they're thinking through how they might get involved in serving in ministry?
0: Yeah, um, I think once you've said T&E is your church family, your spiritual home, then I think there is, I hope there's a spiritual prompting to get involved and certainly just observe. But when you're ready to, to, to explore that further, um, come and talk to me. That is part of my role to, to help you work out what you're gifted in and, and where that might fit in the life of this church. And um, so please don't hesitate to come and talk to me. Um, I am trying to work through, uh, work out a process that will help you do that. Um, and that's still in flux, but certainly come and talk to me right now. I've, I've got sort of an overview of what's going on. I'm preparing a booklet on the list of ministries here, which you'll be able to you'll better have a look through and get a feel for what's involved, um, and and that that's nearly done. So yeah, certainly.
2: And what if somebody? Um a regular you know been here for a while or not but is sitting there they're in that category thinking i don't really know what my gifts are like i just i look and i just feel like what have i got to offer what sort of advice would you give to um give to us if we're in that situation
0: again come and talk to me i'd be happy to work that through and i just had an idea as you're talking if you are in a community group use your community group and say i'm struggling with what my gifts are what have you observed in me because I think others are often a better measure of what we're good at than ourselves. We can be a bit, um, yeah, we we can downplay it or, we, or whatever. So, but again, um, working on uh, some uh, material that possibly could help you discover that more. But again, speak to me and ask others. That would that would be
2: good. And um, finally, if if someone, you know, I've I've gone through being on the. Um, logistics roster putting out chairs and all of that but if somebody's serving in some area and they just feel like they can't quite see how this fits the bigger picture of actually serving God as they serve others what would you encourage you know we're on a roster but it feels like we're just doing it out of duty what would you encourage us to do if that's us
0: yeah it's It is good to try and step back and see a bigger picture. And part of this booklet on serving, I'm putting a purpose statement to every role and I'm trying to link it to the bigger picture. You know, as you so beautifully said in the message, you don't set up chairs just to set up chairs. You're serving the bigger picture of we're going to gather as God's people and sit down and and worship him and and your role is really valuable. So it is about a perspective uh, look. But again, it is good to talk to someone about it and again I know every time I'm back to me but I'd be happy to do that because sometimes it's just a matter of hey when you see the bigger picture it changes something inside and God empowers you through that Mm. so yeah
2: absolutely now you've we've you've got these um response forms for us to fill out do you want to walk walk us through what you want us to do with those yeah and
0: we actually would like everyone to fill this out because we think Depending on where you're at, you can fill it out and mark your response. Um, So the first one, you know, it says in response to all God has given me in Jesus and through the Holy Spirit's power, I make the following commitment. And the first one is to faithfully continue using my gifts to serve God and others here at TE And many of you are doing that. And we just want to give you the opportunity to respond and sort of reaffirm that commitment so that enables you to do it. But secondly, um, you might be new to the community and you go, I want to, but I don't know how. But I want to make a commitment that I am going to explore what it might mean to use my gifts here. And you can tick the second box. And if you would like to discuss that with me, you can also tick the third box. So um, commit yourself to stepping up and thirdly discussing that with me and I'll help connect the two together. What I realised when I was looking at this this morning, if you're in the category of I'm serving, but I think I'm in the wrong fit and I don't know what to do, tick the third box as well. So you might tick, I'm going to faithfully continue serving, but tick the third box so you can have a chat with me or just come up to me after the service, that's okay too. And let's have a look at what, what you're doing and see if there's something that might fit you. And one thing is we would love to hear if you've got hopes and aspirations to serve in ministries that... We haven't got running yet, because if enough people come forward, suddenly we go. God's telling us something about starting something in an area. So maybe if there's two other tap dancers out there, we need to explore <laughs> liturgical dance or something for you, Stephen. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but that can happen, and it's surprising what God can raise up. So
2: mm, yeah, let's hope it, that bit doesn't happen. The tap dance. <laughs> mm. Sorry, okay, it was too good of an opportunity to go there. <laughs> Thanks, Noel. Um, we might give you just a moment now to do that. If you're not a believer but you're here today, we are so glad that you're here. Please don't be put off just humorous for a second uh while everyone fills those out. They can go into the um the bags that'll come round later on. Just take a moment uh, to fill those out and we'll um we'll gather them back. Thanks, Noel. I'm gonna pray for us in a minute, so do that now before I pray. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, help us to be constantly shaped by the gospel. That Jesus Christ came into this world to live and die for us and be resurrected for us as our Lord and Saviour. That he served us. Lord, your call to serve such a privilege and such a joy when we see it rightly. We pray, Lord, that we, we would recognize the gifts you've given us, that we'd want to use them to serve others, that we'd do it in your strength with your word ringing in our ears and moving our hearts. And Lord, that we'd do it all for your glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.